0: Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and once again, may I welcome you to this, our show of shows. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. And if you're unaware of it, it's available at Amazon in paperback, ebook, and in the KDP Lending Library. I also have volumes three, four, five, and six in audiobook format at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. So do partake of that. And I'm also proud to say that I have yet another party who is interested in reading my stories to their scout troop. <laughs> uh, Kev, come on in here for a minute. Yeah, you're here, right? So I had you another. I had another scout leader contact me, and uh, he was telling me that over the weekend he was going to read uh, some creepy Bigfoot encounters to his troop. Well, Hopefully it's not a troop of brownies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he did say Boy Scouts. Okay, all right. But, you know, these days, I think there are girls in the Boy Scouts. Go figure. I don't even know. Yeah, and that, with that school teacher, you remember the school teacher? Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is awesome. Uh, uh, For you folks who are new to the broadcast, I actually had a school teacher tell me that he was reading uh, my Bigfoot account books to his students uh, because he was just uh, scratching and clawing, finding something that they would take interest in and read. Well, they love the stuff, and he had them put in his school library. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you got some chilling out there that aren't reading, maybe you should buy some Bigfoot books by W.J., And you might have a future English teacher on your hands. There you go. (laughs) Awesome. Now, Kev, I know you're locked and loaded today with something bizarre in the land of cryptids. (laughs) And uh, maybe I'll just hand it over to you and we'll get down to it. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
1: Well, I am definitely ready to go. Okay, bro. And, you know, we're going to be talking about the Mappin' The what? Exactly. <laughs> Mappin' Gwory. And, and uh, you know, of course, we all know our beloved Bigfoot hairy man and Sasquatch, his brother. And then, uh, you know, we talk about the Yeti in uh, Asia. Last week we were in Russia with the Yeti, for example, but the Mapinguari basically is the creature that terrorizes the Amazon rainforest in South America. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Terrorize. Emphasis on terror. Oh, well, wait till you hear a description of this beast. Oh so, my God. Uh, it seems that nearly every Indian tribe in this part of the world, mostly around Brazil in the Amazon rainforest, Uh, has a different word for this creature. And uh, the words usually translate into something along the lines of one of two things. The first being the roaring animal Hmm. or the fetid animal. And fetid, of course, is extremely unpleasant smelling. Oh, my (laughs) goodness. So here we go again right off the bat. The stink. Right off the bat, with the bad smell. Wow. You know, we wow. see that a lot in Bigfoot encounters. Yeah, I mean, that a over lot and Bigfoot.
0: over again, people talk about the stink. Even if they don't see something, they say, I smelled it. Exactly. Wow. And now what's wild is when you get into the descriptions
1: of this beast, they vary wildly. So, you know, they talk about it as having the body of a giant bear. Hmm. It does walk upright. You know, you can see it on all fours, but you definitely see it walking upright. Right. But here we get a little weird, and then it gets weirder. So it has backward-turned, clawed feet. So kind of the rear feet face the other way. Wow. And we've heard that a little bit with Dogman in the past, right, where some people say his his feet face the other way.
0: Yeah, it's really
1: um, odd. Yeah, super weird. Um the face, you know, looks like an ape or even human like, so similar to Bigfoot, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh I guess related to the smell, when people see it, they usually see a large cloud of flying bugs following it.
0: Wow. Yeah. So you know, like kinda like Pig Pen from humans. <laughs> <laughs> Is he also carrying a, a beat up blankie?
1: he's a little stinky
0: apparently yeah yeah.
1: Um, and then so now it gets wild so sometimes they talk about it as having two eyes like a traditional Bigfoot but in many accounts they talk about it like a cyclops with one single giant eye in the middle of its forehead
0: holy cow exactly and where are these accounts coming from I guess native people or uh, Amazonian uh, tribal people mostly native
1: folks down there, tribal people, but they have had, you know, different uh, organized groups from North America go down there and search, and we'll talk about one of these folks that's classically educated up here in North America that spends
0: a lot of time down there investigating this creature. Interesting. You know, and not too far from the, the, you know, the rainforest is a gigantic piece of real estate. Uh, But not too far from the perimeters of that, you know, you have sugarcane fields and uh, other type of uh, farming and agriculture going on. So, you know, uh, I wonder if any of those people outside of the rainforest proper are encountering.
1: And and I mean, that's one of the problems, right, with the rainforest today, threatening the rainforest, is the burning of the rainforest, where people are, you know, trying to burn out more land to farm, yeah, and also for grazing their cattle. And of course, it's destroying, you know, this land that's uh, probably, likely very critical to all humankind's existence on the globe.
0: Yeah, and Like everywhere else, if you start infringing on their domain, the chance of encounters is going to be exponentially higher. You know, maybe, I mean, maybe they get ticked off and they want to come out and encounter you at that point in time, you know? Exactly. So, and we're going to get into the personality of this beast, but, you know, you
1: thought the Cyclops-like eye was strange. Get this, because I read this in like 10 different locations. And the first time I read it, I thought it was a typo, like in the translation. Mm -hmm. But they mentioned that many of the versions of the descriptions of this beast describe it as having a large mouth in the middle of the monster's stomach. Uh, And many of the accounts say that it uses this mouth to consume humans unfortunate enough to cross its path.
0: Wow, that is like totally off the charts! So it's got like a little
1: mouth in its face, like like we have, uh, and then it has this giant like mouth in it in the middle of its stomach, in the middle of its abdomen.
0: Oh my god! It sounds like a squid.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, can you imagine seeing this? Seven-foot-tall, stinky thing that roars like thunder, has a cyclops-like eye, and then has this huge mouth in the middle of its abdomen. That's, like,
0: totally ridiculous. I'd be dead just
1: seeing it. How, how do you spell this, Kev, the, the name again? Yeah, so it's Mappinguari. So it's M-A-P-I-N-G-U-A-R-I. Wow.
0: Very I think I'm I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, I mean, you're close enough. Somebody will probably correct us anyway. You know how that goes. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now some of the legends about the beast
1: uh, say that it has supernatural powers. um, And classic stories, you know, of the native uh, people describe it as a werewolf-like Indian shaman who discovered the secret of immortality, but paid for it by being transformed into this horrible monster. Jeez. So, you know, that's kind of the legend of
0: the beast. Yeah, and that's got to come out of the uh, indigenous rainforest people, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Wow. Absolutely. Wow. And then, you know, on the, on, on the other accounts, all accounts agree that it's about seven feet tall, um, it looks human-like when it stands on two legs, and this smell that it gives off can be a disabling smell. So it's so bad that, you know, it basically can disable you. Right. Yeah. And then it has thick, matted, red to black fur, so ranging between red and black, so it sounds a little bit like Bigfoot. Right. And then they talk about it as being covered under its fur in some kind of hard exoskeleton uh, that makes it very difficult to penetrate with arrows or bullets. So, wow. you know, I didn't see any other details about this, but, you know, it could just be that they're not using enough, uh, you know, uh, yeah. caliber. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't think a blowgun's going to work at the Mop and Glory. <laughs> hey, you know something that's weird though have uh, you know obviously if they're saying this uh centrally located uh mouth or, or port in its body uh eats people who are unfortunate enough to uh, cross paths with it are they saying that you know people down there have been eaten by this thing well i mean that's what they say here is that uh,
1: that it's very aggressive. It doesn't flee human contact, and it aggressively hunts down humans. Wow. So it basically, you know, turns the table on uh, hunted
0: and hunter. Wow. That is, like, totally bizarre. Yeah. Sounds like some type of freaking alien being, you know, something that's not supposed to be here. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. So one of, the, uh, you know, one of the folks that writes about the encounters is this gentleman, David Oren, and he's a Harvard and Yale trained biologist and ornithologist. And he thinks the fabled monster is not only real, but actually a living species of a giant ground sloth that was believed to be extinct about 8,000 years for
0: about 8,000 years. Wow, that's interesting. And it walked on its hind legs? Exactly. exactly. But, you know, my— can
1: be on all fours, but can stand up on its
0: hind legs and walk around on its hind legs. Yeah, now, you know, I don't know about you, but my idea of a sloth is like a sluggard, slow-mo, like nothing. You know, I mean, uh, how could they aggressively pursue a human? Can you imagine? That would be like the old mummy movie, You remember when the guy would go in the tomb and that weirdo would blow some smoke over the mummy? And next thing you know, it was like walking around at about, uh, you know, 10 feet per hour. And the guy couldn't get away from it. Yeah. Just the typical monster movie, you know, where everybody's saying, run away, run away. And they just stand there. And the mummy would put its fingers around the neck, you know. Next thing you saw was, (laughs) ah! I mean, a sloth. How's a sloth going to attack anybody? Well, uh, you know, I don't know how fast this thing is, you yeah. know, wh-
1: what what kind of creature it is. But first of all, you know, the fact that it could be possible for something to believe to have been believed to have become extinct but yet still be alive in a rainforest, of course, right? I mean, I'm sure there are creatures alive in the Amazon Amazon rainforest that we think are
0: extinct. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. You You know, know, we
1: we often talk about the the dense forests, right, in North America where people go to see Bigfoot and, you know, they— they run into the devil's club plant that I talked about in Alaska. Mm-hmm. I mean, here in the Amazon, you have every single step you take can kill you with between the snakes, the spiders, the bugs. You know,
0: yeah, yeah. Holy
1: cow! Like,
0: lot a lot of folks roaming around in there on any given day. No, you take your life in your hands, even if you know what you're doing, going in there. Right. I mean, there's stuff in there that could, like you said, could kill you in a heartbeat, and there's nowhere to get help. Yep. Wow.
1: So, so Oren, um, you know, who, who writes about and researches this beast, uh, a lot of the results, uh, a lot, or a lot of his findings, come from accounts that people tell him, you know, relay to him. So, one of these accounts comes from uh, someone named Giovaldo Caritiana. And this is a 27-year-old Indian from the region. He says that there's no doubt that the Mapangwari is real. He claims to have seen one about three years ago as he was hunting in the jungle near an area that the tribe calls the cave of the Mapangwari, right? Hmm. And he says it was coming toward the village and making this extremely loud howl. Remember in the description, they talked about it as... Uh, howling like thunder. Wow! Uh, and he said it stopped when it got near him, and that's when this bad smell came upon him and actually made him extremely dizzy, and he fainted. And when he woke up,
0: the mapinguari was gone. Wow! It's almost like a uh, uh, a disabling uh, scent of some kind, you know? Right. Right? Really strange. And then
1: um, they talked to Karatiana's uh, father, Lucas, and he confirmed the account. And he said that when his son took him back there to the site to show him what happened, he saw a cleared pathway through the rainforest where the creature had uh, arrived and departed. And he said it looked as if a boulder had rolled through and knocked down all of the trees and vines. Wow.
0: That's really strange. Very, very strange, right? Yeah. And, you know, again, here we have these people. I mean, he's uh, he's got no axe to grind. Or maybe he does have an axe that he grinds, but he's not making any money off of it. And, uh, no, not that
1: we know of. Yeah,
0: yeah to just come up with this uh, tale. Uh, you know, could it happen? Sure. Sure. Uh, you know, but uh, we're kind of left at the mercy of the person telling the story. Uh, to validate it, you know, but it's interesting that this other researcher is making a connection between a potentially extinct giant animal. Uh, yeah, that- and there's a, there's a website. It's interesting. I wouldn't guess this,
1: right? Like I looked around and read tons of information about this Mapinguari beast. But um, uh, several of the accounts, including this next one, are on this site related to cruises through the rainforest, which nice. I've never seen before. Yeah. But uh, tons of details there about uh, this beast and different encounters. So I did want to give out, give a little shout out to uh, rainforest cruises. Okay. So this 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 next account comes from a seventy-year-old. Uh, who says that he saw the Mapinguari 20 years ago, I guess when he was 50, uh, after a 45-day canoe ride from the nearest village. So he went into the river, you know, into the forest for 45 days on a canoe. He says, I was working by the river when I heard a scream, a horrible scream. Suddenly, something looking like a man came out of the forest, all covered in hair. He was walking on two legs, and thank God he did not come toward us. I will always remember that day. Wow. I mean,
0: 45 days in a canoe. Wow,
1: well, yeah. You know, it's a big river down there. Yeah, the
0: but I mean, he's, he's like, uh, if he was in nowhere when he started, where did he end? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then Oren says
1: that he has, although he doesn't have any footage of the beast itself, he has taken video footage of the clawed trees and taped or recorded what he believes to be the creature's minute-long thunderous howls. Jeez. And then he's also made uh, uh, molds, castings, of the very large footprints with the backward-facing claws. Very weird. Are there yeah. any of these Hal uh, recordings available, or no? I couldn't find any, but that's not to say they're not out there. I'll keep looking, yep. and uh, I'll put uh, I'll put any of them up on our website, BigfootTerrorIntheWoods.com. dot yep. com. I'll also put some of these images. Uh, there's a lot of like artist images of the beast,
0: and uh, they're spectacular, you know, and terrifying. Wow! And by the way, folks, you know Kevin. Uh, goes to a lot of trouble putting together these uh, pieces for our cryptids in the news and other oddities segment, and he's plugging a lot of stuff into our website. Uh, so when you have time, go over there, com, and uh, they're attached to various uh, episodes that we've done, correct, Kev? Yep, yep. Right
1: below each episode, I put in a couple of images or links to videos and stuff like that that we've talked about on the on the episodes
0: yeah awesome awesome job wow that's cool so super cool um you know i i
1: encourage folks especially our listeners out there if you know anything about this map quarry, drop us a note again on the contact contact section of uh bigfoot terror um this was new to me i've been reading about it for a few weeks a lot of information on it out there and uh Super cool, especially when you start to see some of the images of this creature. It's more frightening than uh, any of the other beasts I've talked about.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can only uh, imagine how horrific it would be to be in some type of little primitive jungle encampment and to be attacked by virtually anything where maybe your only defense is uh, perhaps a knife a uh, a uh, uh, a a bow and arrow you know of some type uh and not to take it away from them uh the bows and arrows that these indigenous people have been using for hundreds if not thousands of years are deadly in their hands It's not like they oh, yeah. can't kill something yeah, but no uh, doubt about it yeah they uh they're very proficient with the weapons they have you know yeah wow, that's incredible. Wow. Well, Kev, again, great job bringing that to the uh, front page of our show. And uh, I'm going to turn the page here for a minute. I got something to share with you and the listeners uh, that's going to rattle your cage for sure. You know, when, when people say, where is the evidence? Well, the evidence is all around us uh, as to the existence of Bigfoot. It's a question of whether you believe it or not. Uh And if you uh, take advantage of everything that's being brought out relative to the finding of evidence. And this is another uh, such account. Uh, I actually think it's pretty horrific. And it was told by Lyle Maguire, who was out on a weekend hike with his cousin, a fellow named Les Perkins in uh, Oregon. And this is what the two guys came upon when they were out on the hike. Lyle said, my cousin Les and I had planned a weekend hike on September 1st, 2004. We had selected the Trapper Lake via Cherry Creek Trail as the site for this weekend, and it happened to be a trail which we hadn't hiked in the past. I would say that the two of us hike at least 15 To 20 weekends out of the year, with some being multi day hikes and others being day hikes. Our plan was that this would be a weekender. This trail was rated as being difficult, as well as being about 12 miles out and back. And our plan was to take it to its limits and continue onward to do a little exploring in the process. You know, Kev, excuse me. The first thing that jumps out at me, and I'm going to continue. When we say who sees a Bigfoot, if you follow the M.O. of these two fellers, they're hiking basically half the weekends of the year for a day or two or maybe more at a time. On this particular hike, they're going out 12 miles into uh, Timbuktu. uh, And, you know... And all of the time they spend hiking, suddenly they run across something we're going to hear about. Uh, So it's no accident for these guys. I mean, they're really in the thick of it. Uh, No, no doubt about it.
1: I'm glad you mentioned it. I was going to interrupt you and say, look at this, Bill, (laughs) like 15 to 20 weekends a year. You're pretty much, you know, for all intents and purposes, you're hiking every single weekend that you could. Right, because right, at some point you got to do
0: some chores around the house, or you know, or you have a job. Yeah, and I mean, this is uh, you know, how Kev, you hike a lot. How long in some rigorous country would it take you to go twelve miles? Oh uh, well, it varies
1: tremendously, right? I mean, yeah. I've done some hikes that were like a mile long and took two hours. You know, if they're straight up, yeah, or they have portions that are straight up, you
0: know. Well, and I'm sure these guys were breaking out. Let's continue here.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's beautiful country there in Oregon.
0: I'm sure. You know, uh, he said it was Saturday morning when we, begun, uh, when we began, and the hike, the hike in was just about what we had expected. The trail was well overgrown, and here and there were trees which had fallen across the trail. We had crossed creeks and meadows and had arrived at the trail's formal end, being somewhat of a crossover trail by both Sky and Trapper Lakes. I should also mention that we were near Klamath Falls. We had found a nice clearing by Trapper Lake in which to pitch our tent for the night, and there we remained until the following day. In the morning, having risen early, we figured we had a good two or three hours that we could kill before we started to head back out. So we commenced to hiking up and around a large hill that was located behind Trapper Lake that looked somewhat interesting. This hill was sporadically patched with many clusters of tall, thin pines with the soil in between these patches being predominantly tan in coloration. Having circumnavigated the lake and made our way up and around the back of this hill, we saw something metallic glistening in the sunlight in the edge of the trees below us. So we went down to take a look. Going down the slope, We momentarily had lost sight of what we had seen, but we knew we were heading in the right direction. As we emerged from the trees to a point where we could now see, we walked up upon the remains of a mangled aluminum backpack frame, a small mountain tent which was torn apart and thrown in the trees, a New York baseball cap, and a zip-up hoodie. Mm -hmm. Neither the hoodie nor the cap were marred in any way, and neither of them were stained in blood. Initially, it appeared to us that some type of attack had occurred here, with the question being who the victim was and what or whom had done the attacking. At this point in time, I must also tell you That there had been quite a storm that ran through here a few weeks earlier, a fact that I mentioned because we had actually delayed our coming here because of it. So, like any normal human beings would do under such circumstances, we began to look around in the hope of finding a body. We had spent the better part of an hour searching high and low and found nothing at which point we made our way back to the initial discovery site. As we scoured the area further, Les had called to me and said, Hey, you better come over here. Well, I went over, and Les pointed at the ground. I was now looking at a large, dried footprint in the ground, evidently having been made during the previous storm. Les looked at me, and I at him, as he said to me, That's from a Sasquatch, brother. Whoever owned that backpack was done in by a Squatch." Frankly, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. The thought of somebody having been attacked and carried away from where we were standing was quite disturbing to say the least. With no identification being present and nothing other than the items which I described to you, we gathered up what we could and made our way out. I will tell you flat out that the two of us were more than a bit edgy as we made our way out of there. I kept having the uneasy feeling that we were either being followed or watched the entire time, and yet neither of us saw or heard anything. When we had made it back to the truck later that afternoon, our first order of business was to take care of what we had found and report what we had seen to the police, which we did. Since that day, I have never been fully able to relax and enjoy a hike as I used to, and I never camp overnight in these woods or any woods at all.
1: Pretty <laughs> crazy, huh? Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty rural place. I was I was looking it up while you were giving the account because I thought I had been to Klamath Falls, but I've been to Klamath, Oregon, which, uh, interestingly enough, that's out. Klamath is out near the coast where, you know, I've spent a lot of time on the Oregon coast, relatively speaking, hiking mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. But Klamath Falls is a little more inland, okay.
0: um, closer to Crater Lake. Okay but pretty rural place. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and in the account, he talks about just a little bit of uh, uh, the types of obstacles they uh, came across working their way in. So really the account kind of answered my question that I asked you about how long would it take you to go 12 miles? And I mean, these guys were coming across felled trees, overgrown trails, You know, crossing the creek, you know, whatever. And the
1: trees out there generally are, you know, these big old growth forests that are like nothing like you've seen up in uh, where you live, Bill. I mean, these trees, you know, they're gigantic. Yeah. And then, you know, half of them have fallen down and you got to climb over them, go around them, you know,
0: et cetera. It's really, it's beautiful.
1: Some Some of the prettiest forests I've ever hiked in are in Oregon.
0: Wow. So it's really like a zigzag. It's like walking through a pile of pickup sticks. Exactly.
1: And then there's elevation. You know, I mean, this is a place that has some elevation around it. And you know how it is. You look at a hill or a small mountain from the distance and you're like, oh, you know, that's not too bad until you're on it. You know, and it's like, geez, this is straight up, you know. Yeah. I mean, I I always tell, you know, my my bride and I do a lot of hiking, as you know, and it's kind of a lot of the stuff we have to put our hands down with our feet. You know, you're going up, so you're actually using your hands and your feet at the same time, and that's slow going, you
0: know, because you're exhausted. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because two things occurred to me relative to Bigfoot uh, climbing and moving through the country. Uh, First of all, stuff that would make us have to use hands and feet, they can walk with ease. And it's only when they really get into basically a vertical situation uh, that they go to uh, hands and feet when climbing up a steep uh, terrain. Oh, yeah. And
1: everyone talks about it. Almost every account talks about how much um, distance the Bigfoot is able to cover compared to the humans that are trying to retrace their footsteps.
0: Yeah, it's very bizarre. I mean, I, I had that one guy. You remember I was doing that account about the fly fisherman in Vermont? Mm-hmm. You remember that one? Yeah, yeah, where yeah. The, where the guy was very graphic with his detail about this, the height of the bank uh, on this river that the thing had gone up with no handholds? Right, I mean, that is like, you know, what did he I think I recall him saying, like, the thing must have taken like vertical steps of like six feet with no handholds.
1: Oh, and I mean, the one I always think about, Bill, is I think it was our first podcast where I did the uh, the uh, account uh, with the video evidence of the Bigfoot sighting in uh, uh, Utah.
0: Yeah, Provost, the Provo, Utah. Yeah, Provo,
1: Utah, where, um, you know, the folks could see it on the ridge and took the videotape of it, which they shared. And then when they climbed up there, they were like, oh, my goodness, this is like straight up,
0: you know. And, of course, it was in like three feet of snow, as I recall, as well. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, everything looks, uh, you know, it's the same old story. You know, when you get up on a location— it's like looking at Mount Everest from afar and then when you're at one of the base camps and you look up, it's like, we're going to climb this? Yeah, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe we should rethink our motivation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Why don't we just go down to Dunkin' Donuts and chill?
1: <laughs> Let's talk about it.
0: <laughs> wow, that's freaking unbelievable. Super well, cool. Yeah, no, and you know, Here you have limited evidence, right? You have a footprint that they're saying belonged to a Sasquatch, kind of crusted or dried up into, I guess, what was mud during a storm. Uh, And then you have this mangled backpack. Like, how does somebody just go out and mangle a backpack? I don't know, but I
1: was going to tell you, Bill, too, they said a New York baseball cap for you and I as Yankee fans.
0: I hope it was a Met cap. (laughs) <laughs> well, listen, do you think this Oregonian Sasquatch was taking it out because the guy was a New Yorker? <laughs> I pity the fool. I Come mean, the over guy could
1: have got a little mouthy with the Sasquatch.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, yo, bro. Get out of my campground. You hear me? <laughs> You haven't had any
1: voodoo donuts from out there, but you (laughs) might have been looking for some voodoo donuts, (laughs) and the guy with the men hat said, I don't even know what voodoo donuts are.
0: wrong answer. (laughs) Wrong answer. Yeah, but it is interesting, though. Uh, He observes no blood, a mangled backpack frame. I mean, if you lost a backpack or left it somewhere, if anybody else came through, they would just take it, I I would think. Uh, but how does a backpack frame get mangled? Uh, yeah, something happened for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's
1: it's like the no blood is not shocking to me because, you know, I told you the, the account of when uh, we were up hiking years ago in Priest Lake in northern Idaho, and we saw what basically looked like a deer that exploded. Yeah. You know, I mean, I figured it ran into a grizzly and the grizzly like tore it. To shreds, right? But I mean, basically, it looked like the fur had exploded all over the trail. That is really bizarre. but there was no blood, you know, bones, skin, and lots of fur. That is the craziest thing. Yeah, I never saw anything like it. I mean, all I knew
0: was okay, we got to turn around. You know, and uh, while you're mentioning that again, I'd like to invite any of our hunters out there listening, uh, if you have an explanation for what my brother encountered with this deer appearing like it had exploded. Uh, Chime in with us, contact us, and let us know uh, or educate us if you know uh, anything in the wild that would do such a thing to such an animal. Uh, I'd be real interested in hearing what your take is on that. Yeah, that's great. I tell you, Kev, I get get an education from some of these uh, hunters and field and game people that I talk to. Uh, they just know stuff like you or I know about things that we're engaged in, right? Oh, hey,
1: and maybe there's a logical explanation. But yeah. when we saw it, the only thing logical was
0: to get the heck out of there. Yeah, exactly. That's that's where logic prevailed, like turn we around. Gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go. We got to go now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, so that's my uh, that's my account today. I thought that was really interesting. And uh, more grist for the mill in the land of Bigfoot, no doubt. Wow! So, what do you some got good today, stuff. bro? What do you got uh, cooking in the land of uh, listener mail? Yeah, we got some good email coming in. So,
1: uh, first off, is from Bruce in Australia.
0: Wow! This I, isn't I got. I got to
1: confess, having two kids that grew up (laughs) in the time of like the Disney movies like Finding Nemo, when I hear Bruce in Australia, all I could think of is that great white named Bruce that said, fish are friends.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, this guy's name wouldn't happen to be Bulldog Brucey, would it? Yeah, he doesn't mention anything about Bulldog. <laughs> I still can't get over that other guy named Bulldog. I know. I know. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my goodness. Yeah,
1: So, <coughs> so Bruce down in Oz says, uh, good day, mates, and a very Merry Christmas to the two of you. And Merry Christmas to you, too, Bruce. I am a bit of a world traveler myself, and I have done quite a bit of hiking as you have, Kevin. We came across some mighty large footprints in Vietnam, which none of the locals could identify. These were big feet like those of a human, only the toes were somewhat splayed. There were seven that were very well formed and some other heel and toe impressions. Keep up the good
0: work, Bruce. Wow. So this guy is from Australia, and he's telling us about, obviously, something that happened to him when he was in Vietnam, of all places.
1: Yeah, well, these Aussies, you know, my experience in business, as you know, Bill, I've been down there a lot on business. These Aussies, when they leave Australia, they go everywhere. You know, and they're they're a really an adventurous type, generally. And uh, some of my friends are from Australia, they do spend a good amount of time in Southeast Asia. Really? You know, including Vietnam. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, once you... I mean, of course, Australia is basically in the middle of nowhere. So if you got to get on a plane, you know, you're heading north. You're going to be in Singapore, Thailand, Hong Kong, Vietnam, you know, et cetera. Okay. So that's where they're going on vacation and hiking around.
0: So what do you think? It's like somebody here uh, in Florida going north to Canada? I guess. I mean, it's, it's quite different because it's, you know, this huge island. Of
1: course, it's a continent. But, yeah. you know, if they're able to travel, if they're able to, you know, and have the resources to get on a plane there, you know, they spend a lot of time up there in Southeast Asia if they're not coming to the States or back to uh, Europe
0: as well. Wow. So, you know, he says, uh, I guess he was hiking up there or doing something. Exactly. Yeah, he said quite a bit of hiking, so I guess he's
1: talking about hiking. Yeah. So he's somewhere in the jungle up there and came across these large footprints. Now, I haven't, you know, read about anything in Vietnam, but I certainly haven't researched anything going on in Vietnam. So I'll put it on the list. Yeah. You know, you know I when don't I want- first saw Bruce from Australia, I was kind of hoping that he was going to run into a... Yeah we
0: <laughs> yeah. good old Yowie Kazawi. But yeah, that's very interesting. You know, and here we go again. Another person uh emailing in with another sighting of something strange. Uh we really appreciate it and we encourage everybody if you've seen something, say something. And that's exactly what we have here with Bruce from Oz. Yeah, Kev, where did that ever come from, Oz? Is that, like, just a a cute thing they derived uh, in Australia? I I think because they
1: abbreviate it A-U-S, but they do write it as Oz, as O-Z. Okay. Um, But, you know, they... they, uh, it's a great place. As I've told you, it's one of my favorite places in the world. And uh, Sydney, Australia, I could actually see living there with the family, um, other than the fact that it's so far away from everything else. But it's so beautiful. The people are fantastic. And as an American, you could be super comfortable in Australia. Like it's, although you're literally on the other side of the world and in the Southern Hemisphere, um, you you know, you feel quite at home when you're there. The people are fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah, really nice. Yeah, the the folks that I've met from uh, Australia were just uh, very nice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I find that with a lot of people uh, from other places, you know, if you think you got some prejudice against somebody and then you meet them and you're like, wow, you know, what was that all about? For so many years, I was holding on to this or that, or I thought this and that about them. And you find out they're like incredible people, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, especially, you know,
1: if I get on the soapbox for a minute, Americans generally don't travel that much. And therefore they have like these these bias towards other folks that are really not found on anything, you know? Yeah. Incredible. They ne- they never met anybody from there. So how do you know? So Yeah. Yeah. But we're gonna go from Australia. It's interesting. So Bruce was in Australia, but talking about something he saw in Vietnam. Uh-huh. And just by sheer coincidence of the order of uh how this email came in, we're gonna go to Quinn in Cambodia. So right next door to Vietnam. And uh Quinn writes in from Cambodia, Great show, fellas. And very entertaining indeed. I've been doing, holy cow, he says, I've been doing landmine removal in these parts for almost 30 years, working in jungle regions where if you enter, there's a good chance you will die. Oh, smokes. So I got to pause there for a minute. So, you know, if you're having a tough day at work and you're listening to our podcast, You know, first off, thanks for listening, but if you're having a tough day at work and you want to think about a guy that's roaming around in the jungle of Cambodia doing landmine removal, holy cow. That's
0: that's, that's a tough gig. I love going to work. (laughs) You take it easy out there, Quinn. (laughs) No kidding. Be careful, Quinn. Take it slow. Oh, my God.
1: So, So back to Quinn's letter. He says, the locals, with the exception of those who didn't heed the warnings, do not enter into these areas, which are quite extensive. In 1997, one of my support team was told of an explosion being heard with nobody being heard screaming or emerging, missing a limb. We were dispatched to carefully go and look for the victim, be it man or beast. It took us eight hours to carefully make our way into the area, where we found a small ape man blown to pieces. Holy smoke. From what was left, it was about four feet tall, hair covered, not fur, and very sturdily built. I believe now that this was a young Bigfoot there are estimated to be tens of millions of mines in this area yet to be found and apparently this youngster found one haven't seen anything else since regards quinn holy mackerel wow that's one of the wildest emails we've received holy
0: smokes <laughs> wow. Land, Thirty years landmine removal, and he's still alive. Well, I mean, Quinn, <laughs> take it easy, or maybe it's time for
1: retirement. <laughs> wow, man! Oh. And by the way, thank God you're doing this work. I mean, you're saving, you know, so many folks. What, a, what a, you know, what an awful thing. Where in wartime we. We, uh, you know, as people, just spread these things everywhere, which seems like a good idea during the war. But then when the war is over, we're blowing everybody and everything up with these
0: mines. Yeah, I mean, these things aren't mapped out. I mean, it's no. literally you're going to stumble on one and you're going to miss your limb or or die altogether, you know? Exactly. Oh, my God. And he finds this little ape man, four feet mm-hmm. tall, uh, blown apart. That's kind of really remarkable. I mean, I've never heard of such a thing. No, I I haven't heard of any accounts like that. But,
1: you know, kind of makes sense in this rainforest there in Cambodia. Well, look,
0: I mean, really, anything could step on a mine, right? Yeah. I mean, you could have a uh, freaking—I would imagine a snake could slither over some mines and set it off and get blown to kingdom come, you know? Yeah, one of the larger snakes. <laughs> yeah, a yeah, large one. Thank God
1: it got blown up. Exactly. my feeling s- about snakes is, hey,
0: a dead <laughs> snake oh, is a good snake. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, here comes the snake lover email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, though, I wouldn't mind having a nice pair of snake skin boots. <laughs> oh, no. Now we're getting double yeah, snake-lover yeah, snake yeah. ma'am Yeah, double snake level. We'll boot. put it with the witch mail. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is incredible. And you know something that just struck me when you started to uh, read? That name Quinn. Isn't Quinn kind of an Aussie name? I don't know. I don't know. Huh. Um,
1: could be. I've, I've run into people from... Uh, from from Vietnam, named Quinn.
0: I guess Kim. so. It's just it's, you know, when I I uh, I knew a Quinn, of course, that used to have that auto repair shop here in Ran- Ran- Uh So I can't really say that I did know Quinn. And uh-huh. He definitely wasn't Australian. But when you said Quinn, I was just thinking about the the fella in uh, Australia in Vietnam. And then you said Quinn, and I was like, is this another Aussie in an adjoining country? Landmine removal?
1: Uh, I thought you were thinking of Captain Quinn from Jaws.
0: Oh, that's another <laughs> one. Yeah. Oh, he was at that show. That movie just altered society. Oh, my God. Remember seeing that guy's face through the porthole window? Was it a porthole? Oh, It's awesome. It's yeah, awesome that was movie. awesome. Wow, great, great story, Quinn. Thank you for uh, chiming in with us.
1: All right. We're coming back to North America and the good old United States to a place that you and I know, Bill. This comes in from Betty in New Hampshire. Oh.
0: Awesome. So
1: Betty writes, I have read all of your books, and they are a real eye-opener, especially to myself having seen a Sasquatch. Oh, I was on the highway one evening going through an area near Loon Mountain. Oh. Yeah. We've been to Loon Mountain, Bill.
0: Yeah. I remember taking a gondola ride up to the top of that place and looking down over the lake and whatnot. It's just beautiful. And again, though, we talk about the little touristy areas around the states. Uh, When you got over there by that area of Loon Mountain or anywhere over there, You could just park your car and just go up in the woods, and you're in the middle of nowhere. Oh, I mean, I've seen moose up there. Yeah, there's like nothing out um, there but
1: wilderness. Yeah, we've done a ton of hiking in recent years, too, up around... in the White Mountains there where Loon is. And uh, so she says she's going along the highway. I would bet she's on uh, the cancamancas Highway there near, near Loon Mountain. Uh-huh. Uh, but she doesn't mention it. Uh, we, we've done a lot of hikes off of the cancamancas Uh-huh. Um, but she says, when I saw a creature running off my side of the road and into the forest... It had obviously, to me, crossed the entire road with myself having caught the last 30 feet of it doing so. Hmm. More than likely, eight or nine feet tall and three or four feet wide. It took perhaps three strides to cover the 30 feet of the road and was gone. Wow. Wow. She says, I slowed the car and saw nothing of it in the woods. Of course, I wasn't going to stop and have a look. (laughs) Amazing. Great
0: show, guys. Thank you, Betty. Wow. How many times do you think that happens, Kev, where somebody catches a glance of one and says, what was that? Yeah, I think it's got to
1: happen a lot. Yeah. I'm waiting for it to happen to me, but it hasn't happened
0: yet. Yeah, I mean, did I just see that? You can you just put plug yourself into the scenario. And it's just like, what was that? You know, especially if you're alone. Absolutely. You know, yeah, there's got to be a moment where a lot of people would just second guess uh, what I saw. And it brings me back to that cop in Whitehall, New York. You know, standing in front of me was something that said not to be.
1: Right. And there you know, it again, is looking at something right in front of you, in his case, and and thinking, OK, I'm looking right at something that I was told my whole life did not exist. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Very bizarre. And, uh, you know, here we have, again, a fleeting glimpse, but a glimpse nonetheless I mean, she's talking about something that was covering ground quickly because it moved, what she said was 30 feet in three steps and it was gone. Oh, yeah. So it must have been like boom, 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 gone, over. No, and she says it's eight or nine
1: feet tall, so this is a behemoth and three or four feet wide.
0: Yeah, that's a big bugger, boy. Big bugger is right. Holy smoke. So, hey, you know, here we go. You know, uh, you want people who've seen something? Here's a lady that saw something. What do you think of her account? <laughs> you know, what do you just say? I'm sorry, uh, you're wrong. Uh, Quinn's wrong. Uh, Bruce is wrong. Bill is wrong. You know, OK, you can just keep going along that trail if you want. But uh, I tend to go in a different direction.
1: Yeah, pretty pretty cool accounts this week. Uh pretty cool letters, I should say. They happen to be accounts, you know, that come in uh this particular week from Bruce in Australia, Quinn in Cambodia, and Betty in New Hampshire. So, you know, others out there, again, we we gave you a couple of shout-outs in the uh in the podcast this week of you know, if you've seen some of these things that we talked about, say something. You know, if you've seen something, say something. Come to the website. Check out some of the other footage we have there and uh, leave us a note. Let us know if you like it. Let us know if you've seen something like this, you know, uh, even uh, like an exploded deer that I described up in Priest Lake in northern Idaho. And then, um, and, and of course, as you're listening, drop us a review. Give us five stars from your favorite podcast player, and we'd really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. Really excellent stuff, Kev. You know, and that's one of the joys of uh having the format that we we uh, we have here on Bigfoot Terror in the Woods. It's like a real uh, uh cornucopia of information, you know, both coming and going uh from listeners and then what you're digging up and then what I'm bringing to the table. Uh I really hope that the listeners are enjoying it uh as much as we are bringing it out, uh, putting it out there for you. So uh is that it yeah, for it's the? That's good mim- stuff. You know, we should tease our audience a little, Bill. Right? I think our next podcast is going to be our first Christmas special. Yeah, and folks, I'm telling you in advance, do not miss five seconds of the Christmas podcast. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. You can clip us anywhere you want, but I'm recommending. To the bitter end. Or <laughs> well, there may be some coal in your stocking. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't put coal in the stocking. I'm gonna grab one of Quinn's landmines. <laughs> so when you reach when you reach your crummy mitten in there, bang. Oh no. <laughs> now we're getting more email, Bill. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't a candy cane. Hey Just kidding. I,
1: I... I assure you, he's not putting landmines in stockings. What should anybody else do. Can you imagine? No. Come on, remember
0: the scouts listening to this, Bill. That's right, that's right. You're right. I'm sorry, people. Anyways, until we meet again, remember this. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.